0: If you have your Bible this morning, I'd ask you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We're going to look at that together in just a moment. The title of my sermon this morning is, Where is the Grass the Greenest? I want you to imagine with me this morning that on this big screen here and the smaller screen back there, that all of a sudden your name came up on the top, and under that, were listed all of the thoughts that you have had this past week. Every single thought would be right there on the screen. Well, uh, would you feel a little bit uncomfortable about that? Have you ever been praying and then right in the middle of your prayer, some extraneous idea jumped into your brain and it just kind of got you all off. You know, it, and you s- said to yourself, well, where did that come from? <laughs> that wasn't a part of my line of thought. Where did that come from? Well, you might even say, you know, I'm a Christian. I don't know how that got into my head. I don't know how that happened. Well, just Relax. Neither of those things are going to happen in the next few minutes. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Let's look at that together. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. He will provide for you a way out so that you can stand under it. I find this verse incredibly reassuring for the things that happen to us day by day by day. Everybody faces temptation, every one of us. It happens all the time. doesn't seem like there's anything we can do about it. Uh, We all have had the problem uh, being tempted at this point, that point. You have. I have. Uh, It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give way to the temptation. You cannot keep from, you know, you've heard this so many times, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. Well, Uh, The Bible tells us that even Jesus was tempted. He was tempted. He was tempted in every way, and yet he sinned not. The Bible promises that God will provide for us a way out, and that's very, very important. How does he do that? Well, that's what I want us to talk about uh, together this morning. I want to mention six ways of escaping uh, the ever-encroaching temptation. Number one, make a commitment to keep God's standards. This is a starting point, just a starting point. Be willing to do in advance what the Bible says that we ought to do. Psalms 119.9 says, how can a young man... uh, Keep his way pure by living according to the word of God. We have been hearing a lot uh, recently about values. You know, this transgender thing, uh, it's been all over the news, been everywhere. Uh, We realize that a lot of people have all kinds of different views about things. And we think, well, everybody ought to have the same values we do. You know, and then we'd have uh, everybody agreeing on everything. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, it isn't that way, and it isn't going to be that way. Uh, we do need to have the right values in our life. I couldn't agree more with that. But let me ask you, where do you get your values? Where do you get yours? What is the authority for the values that you have in your life. Is it popular opinion? You know, some people say, well, gosh, 90% of the people think this must be right. Uh, Is that the authority? Somebody said, well, everybody does this. There's nothing wrong with this. Uh, It must be okay. That value might be all right. The latest bestseller, is that where you get your value system? Sometimes a book comes out and everybody in America is talking about it. Everybody wants to get a copy of it. Everybody wants to read it. They talk about it on the radio, on the television. It's everywhere. Is that where we're supposed to get our values? Are we supposed to get it from Cosmopolitan Magazine? Are we supposed to get it from Dr. Phil? I mean, there's all kinds of options. I submit to you that the best and safest place... To get our values is to consult our Creator and the operation manual that He has given us uh, for our life, which is the Word of God. It has stood the test of time. For over 2,000 years, it has provided uh, a value system, a a guidance uh, for every man, woman, boy, and girl that would read it, believe it, live it. It's been good It hasn't led anyone wrong If you from the very first say Well I'm going to make a commitment to whatever God says Whether it's in the public opinion or not I don't care Whether it's popular or not This is what I'm going to do I'm going to try as best I can To follow the word of God in my life Uh, I hope That because I'm doing that, you might say, that the temptation will not overcome me. One of the greatest areas of temptation in our world today is in the area of morality. Uh, The the sexual revolution that never stopped, uh, that's still going on all around us. I have some passages today. I don't know if you like to write uh, passages down, but I want to give you four. Uh, that speak to this uh, area of sexual immorality. And maybe these will be helpful. Maybe these would be verses that you could share with your kids or your grandkids, or your great-grandkids or your neighbor who really needs them uh, or the person that you work with or whatever. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. 1 Corinthians 6, 13 through 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 13 through 20. Proverbs 5, 1 through Proverbs 7, 27. Proverbs 5, 1 through 7, 27. And the last one, Ephesians 5, verses 3 through 5. Now those are four text that you can use to build yourself up, build your family up, your friends up. God says concerning sex, sex is to be enjoyed, where? In marriage. That's what it says, in marriage. Today, this is such a tragic number, all of these surveys that they do, all of these polls that they take. I don't know how valid they are, but uh, the shame is that most of them agree on this that between 60 and 70 percent of the men in America are unfaithful uh, to their wives. 60 to 70 percent. I know some of you are saying, now wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. If God really loves me, He wouldn't restrict my freedom. If God really loved me, he would let me do whatever I wanted to do. Well, don't raise your hand on this. How many of you, how many of you have kids that you really, really uh, love? Um, do you let those kids do whatever they want to? you just say, "Well, just go out and do whatever you want to do"? Uh, you don't let them do whatever they want to do because. You love them because you want to protect them, because you want them to do those things which would be for their own good. The point is, until you decide that God's word is the standard for your life, you're going to fall to all kinds of different temptations. Point number two, you want to maintain your marriage. This is the greatest insurance to have a happy phone, a happy life. Rekindle the fire at home. Uh, Proverbs 5.18 says, Rejoice in your wife. Let her charms and tender embrace satisfy you. Let her love alone. Now we want to emphasize the word alone. Let her love alone. Uh, fill you with delight. Now, folks, uh, contrary to public opinion, God is pro sex. Uh, he, he really is. It was his idea. He thought it up. It wasn't you after. Uh, he thought it up. Uh, you know what I really like about the creation story? Uh, there are some subtle things in Scripture, and you've got to really think about it as you kind of go through. Uh, it says God made the sea, and it was good. He made the trees, and it was good. He made the animals, and they were good. He made man, and he saw that man was alone. So he made woman, and he said it was very good. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever noticed that in the scripture. She is very good. Uh, Notice it says, Rejoice in your wife. The first time Adam saw Eve, he said, This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Literally, in the Hebrew, it means, Hey, 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 old boy, old boy. It also says to be satisfied. He is saying don't compare. Don't compare your mate. Uh, there's no such thing as a perfect mate. Uh, you know, there just isn't. Some of you are thinking maybe I married the wrong guy. Maybe Mr. Right is still out there somewhere. Uh, the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence, and the grass is not greener on your side of the fence. You know where the grass is greener? Where you water it. That's where it's greener. The problem in most marriages is there is no spontaneity in the love life. It's the same old thing, the same place, the same way, Uh, boredom in the bedroom. Have you ever seen an article entitled, (laughs) Boredom in the Bedroom? (laughs) That is as exciting as a recitation of Homer's uh, Iliad uh, in the public library. Some of you ladies are saying, I hope my husband's hearing this. (laughs) Ladies, you can make all the difference in the world by your attitude. If there were more courtship in marriage, there would be fewer marriages in court. Keep your love life alive. Once Eve said to Adam, Adam, do you really love me? And Adam said, who else? (laughs) Now, he could have said that better. <laughs> he could have said, you're the only girl in the world for me. <laughs> that would have been so much better. The fact is, in your marriage, you will be attracted to other people. That's a fact. God says to redirect that to your mate. Rejoice in your own mate. 1 Corinthians 7.5 five. Says, sex is a spiritual responsibility. The Bible says if you're married, you are not to deprive each other of it. I preached a sermon on that verse uh, a number of years ago, and after uh, the service, a man came up to me and offered me a lot of money if I would preach on that once a month. <laughs> Number three is to manage your mind. We need to understand how temptation works. James 1.14 says, Each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it brings birth to sin. The battle starts always in your mind. He gets your attention, then he gets your feelings. If he gets your feelings, then he gets your actions. You might say, well, I would never do that. Sometimes I kind of daydream, but that's about it. Are you kidding? Have you ever watched sales? You go in to buy a suit, and the salesman at first uh, gets your attention. He goes over to the section of suits that he thinks would fit you, and he said, Now, all of these are your size. Let me show you one of them. And he picks out one, and he kind of shows it to you, and he said, uh, Why don't you uh, try this on? You know, he goes from thinking from the mental stage to the feeling stage, try it on, see how it feels. Or you go to the ice cream store, and uh, you walk in there, and, and you're with somebody, and they wanted ice cream, and you weren't going to get in because you're on a diet. Uh, ha- have a taste of double strength dark chocolate fudge ice cream. That's what the salesman says to you. And you say, oh no, I can't do that, I'm, uh, I'm on a diet. Well, it wouldn't hurt just to take a taste. And so they, you know, dip in, get a little spoonful, and they hand you the taste. And you say, mmm, mm, That is so good. That tastes great. I believe I'll take a double deep of that on a sugar <laughs> cone. And while you're at it, pour a little chocolate fudge right there on the top. If the salesman gets your feelings, then you're a goner because thoughts determine feelings and feelings determine action. The key is to change your mental thoughts. Jesus said in Matthew five twenty-eight: anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He is saying adultery starts in the head before it gets to the bed. Uh, What is lust? Lust is not the physical attraction, it's not being aroused. That is humanity. Uh, That says that we're normal human beings. Lust is not the desire, lust is the desire to possess, to possess. Lust is the desire, if I could, I would. I would like to possess. It's what you do with those feelings, not the initial feelings, not the reaction. Those feelings are only a part of humanity. You have to manage your mind. King David, you remember he walked out on one of the top levels of his palace, and he looked around. And a few buildings over, there was an absolutely gorgeous naked woman taking a bath right on top of her house up there on the roof. And uh, King David looked at her for a while. And then uh, he went inside. Uh, The initial feeling was not sin. The fact is he went back inside and he thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And then he worked out a plan to bring her into his home, to possess her. That was lust. We have to manage our mind. Number four, you want to monitor your media intake. How many of you would agree that we are uh, in a sex-saturated society? We are bombarded with visual and verbal stimulation every day. Sex sells. It really does. From bingo to bananas to batteries, it sells everything. Lust is big, big business. If you turn on the radio to listen to some love songs, you don't get love songs. You get lust songs. Michigan State University did a study and said that the average teenage girl has watched over 1,500 sex acts or references to sex acts by the time she graduates from high school. A teenage boy has watched 100 less than that because he doesn't watch the soap operas. (laughs) Now here's the bad bad number. 94% of all sex on television is not between a man and his wife. You need to monitor your intake. Why? Because the Bible says the eye is the gate to your soul. Matthew 6.22 says the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole being will be full of light. If your eye is bad, then there will be some darkness. Jesus is saying... What you see is what you become. Every time you look at that screen in living color on the movie screen or on the television screen, guess what? It goes off of that screen onto this screen, the screen in your head. Scientists say uh, that you remember everything you see. It goes down into your subconscious mind. But you literally remember everything that you see. Uh, After it has been transferred off of that screen to this screen, you wonder why you get that thought in the middle of your prayer life. how it kind of jumps in there all of a sudden. Completely off topic, how did it get there? Because six months ago, a year ago, five years ago, you saw it on the big screen in living color. The Bible says, what goes into the gate of your mind goes into the gate of your soul. It could easily be said that what goes into your mind, uh, the mind of your family, goes into the soul of your family as well. I know each of you are sitting there and you're saying, Pastor, I can watch that stuff. It has no effect on me whatsoever. I just go for entertainment. doesn't have anything to do, uh, really, with what I think later. Are you kidding? The way you think determines the way you feel. The way you feel determines the actions that you take. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Run from anything that gives you evil thoughts, but stay close to anything that makes you want to do what is right. He's telling you if you go to a movie and you realize this is a bad movie, you ought to get up and walk out. Cindy and I went to the Straz last week, and we saw this thing. presentation if then and uh, it it was unbelievably bad I mean unbelievably bad they started cussing they kept cussing four-letter words all through it we left at the half uh, it was terrible just terrible uh, you know if if you get a DVD and you... Buy it, you rent it, Uh, you realize that this is not good for you, it's not good for your Christian perspective. You need to get up, walk away, turn it off. We have to monitor our media intake. Number five, you want to minimize the opportunities for temptation, Uh, you want to avoid that fatal attraction. It's simple. Don't allow yourself to be in a situation where something really bad can happen. Matthew 26, 41 says, keep watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus tells us to do two things. Keep watch and pray. He gives us two preventative methods. Keep watch. If you see the situation's going wrong, leave. If you find yourself in the situation, you're already in it, then just pray. That's the thing to do. Leave as soon as you can. The, the gist of these scriptures is to help us to move away from the temptation that just uh, just jumps up and grabs us. Uh, Jesus is saying, avoid the opportunity. Let me interject a thought here about choosing your friends. If you have best friends that are leading you away from the Lord's family, away from the Lord's word, away from fellowship with the Lord, uh, you need to drop them as as real good friends. You know, if you have friends that Uh, are really, you think, kind of running around on their husband or wife, you need to drop them because that is going to be an influence on you. All right, number six, magnify the consequences. Ask yourself with every temptation, is this worth it? Is this worth it? The fact is temptation is incredibly short-sighted, especially immoral. Temptation, Folks, there are some enormous consequences to breaking God's law. I have heard the hurtful cries throughout my ministry, the damage that has been done physically, emotionally, morally, spiritually. The fact is, when we break God's laws, we don't break them, they break us. And we're really hurt. It always causes bitterness and guilt and disillusionment strains our relationships, strains our fellowship with God. It brings judgment on our lives. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it, no matter what society might be saying. The Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. Well, that's true. There is pleasure in, in sin for a while. If sin was a bummer, nobody would do it. If you can have your kicks, but you've got to realize you're going to get the kick back. Uh, The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, it is God's will that you be completely free from immorality. You need to be holy in your daily walk. The Lord will punish men for the sins in their life. He takes a hard line about purity. You may be saying, well, wait a minute, I know a lot of guys, I know a lot of gals, and they're doing all the wrong stuff, and there doesn't seem to be any kind of thing happening to them. They just go right ahead and do it. They are really ignoring the fact that God sees all of that. You know, God doesn't have to settle all of his books in 30 days. Uh, It it comes eventually. Uh, The scripture says that God is not mocked, that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. It's inevitable. It's just a matter of time. We want to magnify the consequences in a temptation. Uh, We want to resist as best we possibly can. God's laws are for our benefit, not for his. Cindy and I have been married for, compared to so many of you in the congregation, a a short time. We've just been married 23 years. But I have been faithful to her for 23 years. And And you say, well, why? Why have you been? Why have you been? Well, because I believe it would hurt my Savior's heart if I were unfaithful. I believe it would break Cindy's heart if I was unfaithful. You know, we as Christians have got to set the standard. Amen. We've got to be the folks that stand up and that uh, can be counted on. The Lord says, if you love me, keep my commandments. You may be saying, well, pastor, you've never kind of bored down on this like you're doing today. Well, it's so important. It's a serious issue with God. God cares enough about us not to let us uh, just move through life with a lackadaisical attitude. He wants to reach out and touch our hearts and our minds and turn us around and turn us toward Him. Today, if there are those in the house that have never trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, I hope today would be the day. I hope that you wouldn't just wander aimlessly through life. Doing so many of the wrong things that God says not to do. If you'd like to commit yourself to Christ today, uh, just slip to the aisle, slip down front when we sing in just a second. Take a stand for Christ. Trust Him as your Lord and your Savior. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you've been trying to follow Christ as best you can. I hope if you're here today and you're not a member, Uh, We'd love to have you come and join with us and be a part of our family. Serve the Lord uh, through this church. I pray that you do it. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. If the Lord leads you, you come on. Let's stand together.